My name is Marion Brown. I am pastor of Chapel Roswell and of Missions and Service, and I am so excited to be hanging out with you guys today by our lamppost. If you are worshiping in person, I want to say welcome. A very particular welcome, though, to all of those that are the youngest among us and maybe the loudest today. Really welcome to all of you in particular. Anybody who's watching live stream online, welcome to worship. If you happen to be joining us on demand, whatever day it is, whatever time it is, welcome to worship. If you happen to be joining us, though, on our podcast and you have no visual on us, we are standing by the coolest lampstand. And I love this lampstand, this lamppost, because whenever I see it, I'm immediately filled of all of these illustrations. As soon as I saw the lamp stand, I think about Dumbledore and Harry Potter with the de-illuminator. And Dumbledore clicks it and all the lights go off. And he clicks it again and all the lights come back on. Another image I have of the lamp post um, is the image of the ghost light. If you happen not to know what the ghost light is, I invite you to go back to chapelroswell.com. Find it on demand. That message is right around July and you can hear too about the ghost light. But a clear, vivid image for me when I see this lamppost actually comes from a movie from the Chronicles of Narnia. The moment I am thinking about is when the youngest of three children named Lucy, she opens the door of a wardrobe and she puts her foot out into snow. And all of a sudden, the one thing that she sees clearly is a lamppost. And that lamppost is a marker. It's a boundary between her world and the whole world of Narnia. And Lucy goes over to that lamppost and she holds on to it. And she holds on to it so much that you can actually see her fingerprints in the snow on it. And as she gets to know her surroundings of Narnia, she holds on even more. And whenever Lucy gets really, really nervous because she starts to hear things in the forest, she holds on even dearly, tighter. And then all of a sudden, of course, Lucy sees the eyes of a fawn, a stranger named Mr. Tumnus. And they both get really nervous and they scream and Mr. Tumnus throws all the packages all over the ground. And they hide. And for about a moment, it takes her a moment, Lucy Let's go to the lamppost, and she steps out into the light to help pick up all the things that were dropped. A lamppost became a source of security, of comfort, and of courage. And of course, that lamppost has me thinking about another image of a lamppost, and it comes in kind of a different story, a different narrative for us. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, and look to the screens, and it says this. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
Jesus is telling us this while he's still sitting on the mountain. We pick up from last week. Last week we heard the Beatitudes. Jesus was on the mountain talking to the crowds, giving the Beatitudes. And so last week we were being the light through worship. But this week we pick up, and this particular passage is called a transitional passage. It happens, like I said, right after the Beatitudes, but right before what's known as an ethical discourse. And so we pick up Jesus in the transition of the sermon. This transitional passage, I read one theologian that I really like, and this theologian said, this is the don't mess it up passage. Whatever you do, if you don't understand the Beatitudes, and if you can't figure out the ethical ways to live your life, as long as you don't mess this part up, you're okay. (laughs) Because this is the part of the passage where Jesus says, you are a light. Jesus uses that metaphor very simply, you are a light. You are the people of the light, and so this is a call to discipleship. This is a call to community, and you're a part of it. And so today, yes, we are being the light through community and through this call. And, of course, what's interesting about this is when Jesus is telling people they're the light, Jesus is talking to people who've been persecuted I don't know all about their persecution, but anyone during this time of the world is persecuted somehow. In particular, these people are being persecuted because they're following Jesus. They have to answer for it. Why did you follow this man? Why did you leave your job? Why is the crowd gathering bigger and bigger? Why, why, why? They are being persecuted somehow. And so Jesus is speaking to people of persecution. And Jesus is also speaking to people who understand the power of one light. It makes absolutely no sense to the people in the first century that you would light a light and then hide it because homes are small and there are a lot of people, a lot of family members who live there. And the power of one light can give light to an entire household. So people who are persecuted know the power of one light to light up an entire family. There's a little girl, and her name is Hattie Mae. Now, Hattie Mae died in 1886, and so this is an older story. Hattie Mae lived right by a small little church. And that church building, it was just one small church, and they had Sunday school in it and then church. And so many people wanted to go to that church that the pastor actually had to give out tickets to go on Sundays. Hattie never had a ticket. So Hattie Mae would just stand outside the building with her offering in one hand and her Bible in the other. And one Sunday morning, the pastor saw her and scooped her up and put her on his shoulders and walked her right into that building and found a seat for Hattie Mae. Next day, Hattie Mae was waiting for the preacher. She was waiting for him to walk to church, and so sure enough, as soon as he walked to church, Hattie Mae ran over and just walked with him. And the preacher said, well, how would you like Sunday school, Hattie Mae? And she said, well, it was fine, but I'm afraid I'll never be able to go again. And the preacher said, oh, Hattie Mae, one day we are going to collect so much money. We're going to make the church as big as it needs to be so that anybody who wants to come in can come to Sunday school and church. 
the preacher was just talking to a little girl. There had been no official committee meeting, and we all know things don't get built without committee meetings in churches. Well, a year later, Hattie Mae got sick, and she died. And it was the same funeral, who was same pastor who was there to take care of all the details in the funeral. And after the service, Hattie Mae's mother went to the preacher and handed him her coin purse and said, Hattie Mae has been saving every day since you told her about the building you're going to build. It was 57 cents. The pastor really did call an official board meeting with all the leaders, and he put the 57 pennies on on the table. And he said, this is our very first donation for our brand new church building. Who wants to buy a penny? Those 57 pennies turned out that night to be $250. He walked over to an owner of a really big building, handed $250, and the very first Sunday they worshiped in that brand new big building, 54 pennies made their way back to that pastor. And he framed them and he put them on the wall. Church started growing and growing and growing. And guess what? That building just wasn't big enough anymore. And the pastor had to figure out a way to get a new church building. And so he took those 54 framed pennies off the wall and he went to the bank and he made a down payment for a bigger building. And do you know the very first mortgage payment? As soon as the banker got it, he went right back to the pastor and handed him the 54 pennies back. And that's how it went on and on and on. Every time that church got bigger, every time they needed a bigger building, it all started with 54 framed pennies from Hattie Mae. You can go to that church right now. It's called Temple Baptist. You can also go to their university of Temple University and be treated at Temple Hospital. The light of one little girl changed an entire community. It's our turn. We are a people of persecution. This year we've been persecuted individually and corporately. And I don't know the name of the persecution you've been under. It could be illness. It could be addiction. It could be treatment. It could be politics. It could be race. It could be sexuality. It could be hate. It could be violence. It could just be pandemic. But I know that this year, as I talk to people, you can't help but hear about people of persecution. And I also know that there's something else that the people who've been persecuted talk about. I also know that we are still called to be the one light. And so people, I'm here to tell you, this church community, we have been able to keep the light on all year. And it's because about this time of year, last year, People made a commitment to support this campus, not knowing what this next year was going to bring. It was this time of year that Chapel Roswell birthed the idea of a giving garden. 
And do you know your giving garden has produced over 1,000 pounds of food to be given to people in this community during a food shortage? It's because of you. And we really did, within about a week, create an entire feeding program that has been feeding 1,000 people every single week. And it is a thank you. And it's because of the continued need that we're going to keep that ministry going in 2021. And do you know that this church decided that we weren't going to let virtual learning stop a tutoring program that's been going on for four years at Vickery Mill Elementary. And so you know what we did? We said we will take over that tutoring program and we will make sure we continue it virtually. And do you know what else? We had third graders this year that still needed Bibles. And so our children's department, they made sure those third graders still had their Bibles. Our children's department put on a vacation Bible school this year. Our children's department put on an entire back-to-school drive through this year. Our youth group, they've been checking in throughout the year. They've been doing trivia nights. They've been connecting through their D groups. Sunday school hasn't stopped. Sunday school classes have actually grown. Small groups have been started. Covenant groups have been sustaining through all of this. Our kitchen crew has been busier than they've ever been just trying to feed as many people as we can. And do you know that we have yet to miss one Sunday of online worship services? And at any time of the day, you can go onto Facebook and get an online devotion from one of your pastors. <laughs> this church community, it has not stopped. I would say that this church community has been a marker it's been a boundary it's been a place that you can hold on to and actually see your fingerprints this church community we have been able to reach people in ways we've never been able to before because we're a marker of the world that is and the world that we see in the kingdom of heaven this community has been that marker and that boundary to show what the kingdom of heaven can look like right here on earth. And no matter what door you have to open to go through to get there, we are here when you take that step toward us. And we can be that lamppost that you need to hold on to while you get your bearings. We can be that place that you hold on to while you just check us out. <laughs> And look around you. When you get nervous, you can hold on to us tighter. And when you're ready, we'll be here when you want to step out into that light and help pick up something that's been dropped. A lot of people say that this time of the year is for the church just to sustain itself. When actually... The church is probably one of the only organizations in the world that is available for people who are not its members. The church is a place not for us to hang out by the lamppost, but for us to show a path for others to see to it. There's a story I want to read to you. 
When the pastor used to come from my mother's church to call on him, my father would say, you don't care about me. I know how churches are. You want another pledge, another name, right? Another pledge, another name. Isn't that the whole point of church? Get another name and get another pledge. Well, my nervous mother would run into the kitchen crying for fear somebody's feelings would be hurt. When we had an evangelistic campaign, the pastor would bring that evangelist, introduce him to my father and say, sick him, sick him, get him, sick him. And my father would always say the same thing. You don't care about me. Another name, another pledge. Another name, another pledge. I know all about churches. I guess I heard it a thousand times, but one day my father didn't say it. He was at the veterans hospital and he was down to 74 pounds. They had taken out the throat, put in a metal tube, and it said, Mr. Craddock, you should have come earlier. This is pretty far advanced. We'll do our best, but we don't know. I went in to see him. And in every window, potted plants and flowers. Everywhere there was a place to put them, a potted plant and flower. And even on that thing that swings out over the bed that they put the food on, there was a really big flower. There was by his head a stack of cards 10 or 15 inches deep. I looked at the cards sprinkled in the flowers. I read the cards beside his bed, and I want to tell you, every card, every blossom, every potted plant was from a group a Sunday school class, a woman's group, a youth group, or men's Bible class of my mother's church. Every one of them. And when my father saw me reading them, he could not speak. But he took a Kleenex box and he wrote something on the side from Shakespeare's Hamlet. And he wrote, In this harsh world, Draw your breath in pain to tell my story. What's your story, Dad? I was wrong. It's our time, Chapel Roswell. It's our time to rewrite a church narrative so that we are brighter and stronger and better. It is our time to be a community of color, of diversity, and of life, and of energy, and of forgiveness. It is time for us to be that community where every fawn knows they are welcome. So yeah, come hang out with me at the lamp post. And let's keep the lamp on. <laughs> And let's prove somebody wrong about church. Amen. It's in the spirit of being a community and being a light for others that I invite you now to be in prayer with me. Gracious and holy Lord, I thank you for a moment in our day where we can gather in your name and just celebrate being together. If there are any ways in our lives this week where we have not celebrated you, forgive us. 
If there was anything that we said to bring darkness to somebody else's life, Lord, we ask forgiveness for that. Lord, if anyone said anything to us that impacted our lives and made us feel dark, we ask for your light again to fill us with love. And Lord, we know that these last few months in our church community, there has been so much life happening. And so I ask blessings on all the baptisms that happened. We ask blessings on the people who joined our church in these last months. We ask blessings on the people who have um, expectant life now among them. And Lord, in particular, we thank you for the many people that have been married or who are preparing to be married. In particular, Lord, we thank you for the marriage of Charlie and Maggie. And we thank you for um, Latricia and Laura as they are preparing for their, ser their ceremonies. And Lord, we do ask blessings upon all those who continue to grieve a family member or a friend that died over these last months. In whatever ways is needed, may you help them to have closure, but also have comfort. Lord, we do ask that you give us blessings on all that we offer to you. And may we continue to hold one another in this community um, in our hands and in our hearts. And may we help others step out into light so that they can be who they have been called to be. We thank you for every visual in our life where we see you. Amen.